1: To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Withhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Potter Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Withhelm with Katie Vernoy. And one of the pieces of advice that I received in grad school was don't give clients advice.
0: Yeah, like never, never give any advice.
1: And so that was kind of ironic and...
0: <laughs> don't you think?
1: Well, and in that song, it's the good advice that you just didn't take.
0: <laughs> Ooh, sing it, Kurt.
1: <laughs> uh, 90s alt rock.
0: Yeah, Folks, it's all good.
1: It's all good. Where do you stand on advice?
0: I actually probably give more advice than I should, but I, I really feel like it is a tool that helps my clients to move forward developmentally as well as... Find their path in their their life towards health and wellness. What about your stance?
1: I give advice. And I'm curious to kind of question when you say that you give too much advice. I think that I give the appropriate amount of advice. Of course you do. (laughs) But it's at least when I give advice, it's when advice is needed. Like, I, I think that this is one of those areas where the answer is it's not never and it's not all the time. And there's a whole lot of in the middle where it depends.
0: I agree. I think that it's not never, it's not all the time, it's somewhere in the middle. And I think probably each person has to figure out what their distinction is of when they give advice and when they don't. I think that's one of the things we want to talk about today.
1: How do you make that distinction?
0: For me, I think sometimes when there is in my mind a clear method to think about something or a clear solution, I will. Sometimes jump in too often and just give it, but most of the time I try to get to a place where we have collaboratively come up with a solution, and then I give I I've, I've summarize it into advice.
1: If it's collaborative, is it really advice, though? I mean, I, I think at that point that's good. That's process. That's a summary.
0: Well, in some ways, it's a summary. Let me let me see if I can explain it better.
1: I'm I'm all ears.
0: You're all ears. There's so many ears over there. <laughs> But, like, I'll have a client that's coming up on a, an event or, or a situation that they're really uncomfortable or anxious about, and I'll ask them what, what they have thought of doing. And then once we get to the end of that, then I'll say, Well, have you considered this? Or what about doing this? Or these are the things that I've seen that have helped other clients. Like, I'll get to, you know, I'll, I'll try to give them an opportunity. I don't always do this, but I'll try to give them an opportunity to come up with solutions. But if they're not solutions that they're coming up with, they're not healthy for them, I just give them. The suggestions I give them the advice
1: shock horror
0: I know <laughs> how about you what is your process because I have other things that I think about but I want to hear your process
1: well I'll get to my process I, I don't want to jump off of what you were just saying but I even I am kind of having a reaction to what you said is like well isn't there processing to do about their process about not coming up with good advice for themselves
0: Oh, of course. I mean, I think that's a separate part of the conversation. We were just talking about the advice part. But yeah, I I see what you're saying. I think there's there is the the whole piece of I don't know what to do. I'm feeling overwhelmed. And it's processing that there's some normalization that happens if it's a situation they've never come up against. It's looking at their perspective and why it feels terrifying. I mean, there's all those pieces and sorting through where it came from their childhood and why it would make sense. Like there's all of that before we get to, but you actually have to deal with the situation. What are you going to do? Let's let's get you some
1: tools. Makes sense. I mean, I come from a fairly solution-oriented, theoretical orientation at times, but you can even get into the process of some of that stuff by saying, well, what would it look like if you did know? That oh, is very just,
0: fancy. <laughs> you
1: know, I'm basing my therapy on like stuff that other smarter therapists kind of came up with in the first place. That's good practices, everybody, but, <laughs> <laughs> but there, there is a concern there as far as just like jumping to that advice that I think is the caution of why developing Kurt as a therapist was told don't give advice. But my decision to answer your question earlier, as far as how I look at that threshold is usually the first sign is when clients say, what's your advice? I will ask, <laughs> I'll answer them if they directly ask me for advice. I think I've said it before, but in case I haven't, we might be the only profession where the <laughs> consumers say, I want that thing, and then we hide behind, I will give you anything but that thing.
0: Yes, yes. I think we do need to, if our clients are asking for advice, we do need to, at some point, give it. But I think it goes back to the same thing. Depending on the context of that request, you do need to look at, is it something where you give the advice and you haven't sorted through at all what, where they're coming from? I think what I've done when I've had that direct request, what's your advice? What should I do in this situation? As I start with, I'm going to tell you what I think you should do, but I want to start off with first figuring out kind of hearing all of the context and what you've come up with so far so that I'm not jumping right in because I think it does diminish the opportunity to tap into their own resources and to empower them. And one of the things that I think that we were talking about before the episode that can be a negative for giving advice is that you can create dependency and you aren't actually teaching your clients how to manage situations themselves. They're just relying on you to tell them what to do.
1: Yeah, I I agree. But I also, within this, notice a huge gender difference. I notice that the men and the adolescent boys who enter into my practice seek out solutions a lot more than women do. And I think that in some of this, there is a respect that we need to give to the different ways that men and women approach therapy differently. That if men are looking for solutions and ways to move on to their life, then they might be more prone to asking for it in the first place. And I can make a pretty good idea of if that's what the clients are asking for, and that's what they're feeling is going to make therapy successful, then let's work from that framework. If people... I mean these are independent of of genders overall, but I'm noticing the trends in my practice. But if people are looking more for the process-oriented requests, then that's where some of these more traditional ideas around dependence and anything else might really come up.
0: I see what you're saying. I don't know that I've seen the gender differences that you're talking about. I think for me, what I've seen is that there are folks who potentially are just wanting to solve the problem. And and I think, yes, I agree with you. I think that can traditionally be, be men uh, more so than women. But I think with with the, the people who I see that typically seek seek advice, it's people who feel like they don't have the experience, the capacity to address a new experience, and, and they've become comfortable asking for help. And I don't know that that always is men. I think oftentimes, especially with my clients who feel like they've lost the opportunity to have kind of a normal childhood or, or the developmental stages will oftentimes seek advice specifically about how to interact in different types of relationships, kind of getting a framework of what's healthy and what's not healthy. And so I think, I understand the distinction you're making, but I think I want to go even further into saying each individual, I think, has a different capacity. And that's what you were starting to say at the end, but I think each individual has a different capacity to ask for, take advice, wants a certain amount of advice. And I think, being able to assess that and sort through and not have a blanket like I give advice or I don't give advice, I think is is much more responsive to our clients than than just you know having that policy because I think different clients need different things and so I think that's a really good point.
1: And I think that it also helps to look at it as there's really different kinds of advice too. There's solution based advice, which is here's the answer. Yep. And I think that that's really. Not all of the time, but I think that if there is bad advice to give, it generally falls into that category. You should go to this place. You should do this thing. You should buy this thing. Sometimes it's good advice, but it can be bad. It can be just giving the clients the answer, and that leads into that codependency. I think that what often ends up being the good advice or generally the safer type of of advice is process-oriented advice and that's really more of when you run into this situation look at it from this perspective.
0: I see what you're saying. I think that there are definitely times when solution based advice can be stronger than process based advice which is opposite to what you just said because I think sometimes if we depending on where our clients are developmentally and their business, and their ability to make decisions I think giving a solution to a single situation so they can keep moving forward can sometimes be more helpful than dictating how they deal with that situation every time that they come up against it. And I know that's not exactly what you were saying, but I think it's it's something where being able to look at where they are developmentally and what capacity they have in the decision-making process before you decide, I'm going to help them with a, a mindset, which they may not be able to take in and, and generalize, or I'm going to help them get through this one situation.
1: Doesn't that blend more into coaching, though, than therapy? Thrizer is a payment platform designed for out of network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thrizer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate upfront. From the client's perspective, Thrizer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thrizer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thrizer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thrizer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf.
0: They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryser.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. I don't think so. I think that when we give specific solutions, it is a tool. And I think if we frame it as a tool, then I think it's something where we can process how they feel about it. We can see, you know, what comes up for them when they they use that experiment. I think it's something where oftentimes solution-based stuff is some of the interventions that are in some of these evidence-based practices. And so I think it's something where it, when we're giving a specific solution for them to try, it's it's globally less of an impact than Giving it, saying like this, when you approach these types of situations, this is how you should think about it.
1: Can you give an example of that?
0: I knew you were going to ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> and I, let me see if I can think of one before.
1: I'm going to insert the Jeopardy music. <laughs> <laughs> do, 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 do. So
0: a specific solution in the work that I've done could be how do I respond to an email from somebody that has hurt me. And so in the moment there's specific things about the person that's emailed, it could be specific things about that relationship and the way that we sort through it together and come up with a specific solution and oftentimes if it's a person that doesn't have great communication skills or they they their relationships have been negatively impacted throughout their life it might be more directive. This is this is, you know, responding to this email that you know, this inflammatory email, this request for help kind of email, let's, let's try this solution and see how it goes. And then after that, then it starts formulating the process of how do you think about these things going forward after you've had a chance to try this solution. And so it could be, you know, I really didn't like that. That seemed like your solution, Katie. Okay, great. Let's, let's see if we can, you know, sort through and do something different. I think it's something where even if I'm doing solution-based, I'm trying to make sure that it, is based on the client and their perspective, but sometimes it may, you know, there's there's that that test and that that openness for experimentation that I think can then lead to a longer term discussion of kind of more how do you how do you face these things in an ongoing way?
1: Based on Jeopardy rules, I cannot accept your answer because it was not in the form of a question. <laughs> but. Speaking to the content of what you were saying rather than the form of it, uh-huh. it's something where I look at that and say, why isn't the processing going on while you're developing the answer together?
0: Well, of course it's going, that the processing is happening, but the, the advice that comes from it is a specific solution, not this is how you might handle these things in the future.
1: Well, isn't, it isn't, may not
0: be the, the thing that they're looking for in that moment.
1: Isn't that the difference between what an intervention is and a d- advice is, though, is that what you're describing is an intervention. It's something where you're engaging in something together. You're processing their thoughts and feelings around it. You're not just being like, here, answer this, send it off, and let's see what the response is.
0: Well, I'm talking about the piece of that interaction that was advice. I was trying to use your model of solution-based and process-oriented advice because I think when you get to it, when I, when I tell a client what to do, (laughs) you know, which is apparently
1: all the time,
0: it's just all the time. But when I tell, when I tell my clients what to do, when it really gets to that point where I'm giving advice and not saying, Oh, well, that sounds like a good solution. Let's see how it goes. and, And really they've crafted it and they've developed it. When I, when I've actually said, I think in this situation, this is how you should respond to it. I think I want that to be an experiment. And I, and I think that's, an intervention, it's clinical intervention, but I'm still giving them advice. And it—and it's still potentially solution-based advice versus when you're in these types of situations, this is how you can approach it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Agree to disagree.
1: <laughs> Dust off, hashtag team Kurt. <laughs> it, it feels coachy to me. It, to me, it's kind of the cookie cutter sort ofness that is not embracing what the client brings into the situation. It's not giving them those tools to be able to handle the situation themselves and to make their own independent decisions and face their own independent consequences, good or bad, out of what comes out of it. Now, Being able to process through things, they take more ownership of the process of coming up with the idea, and it might start out as an idea of yours. But I I think that what I'm trying to do is there's a distinction between intervention and advice. Okay. And intervention is engaging in that process with the client, it's being able to look at the potential pitfalls with the client, it's looking at the potential consequences with the client. It's not saying, do this.
0: So maybe it's semantics then, because I think what you're talking about, all of those things is what happens before I say, do this. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) And so all of the processing, all the sorting through, identifying what might be good for them, and then crafting a solution for them. It sounds but it's, like.
1: it's crafting it together. It's showing them the process of how to get there. And even solution-focused therapies are ultimately derived from what the client's experience is. Motivational interviewing is derived from what the client's imagination of consequences might be. It's framing some things in there that might pepper in something that would maybe push a certain direction. What do you think would happen if this came up? but it's not saying do this.
0: Well, I think I think what we're talking about is the what I'm calling the developmental stages of decision making and creating your own solutions. And so there there are different ways that if we're looking at our decision making skills which can be completely unrelated developmentally to a lot of other things that we have going on in our life but if we say that developmentally i am a 3 year old and making decisions versus developmentally i'm a 30 year old and making decisions you know when we look at that 3 year old and we're making a cake with them we're gonna tell them what to do. We're gonna give the, the egg. We might even break the egg for them. We're gonna do those kinds of things. Whereas with a 30-year-old, we're going to potentially read some of the instructions and, and put things together, but but we're going to give them a lot more of that, of the the process, right? And so I think when we're looking at where our clients are developmentally and making their own decisions in facing some of these situations, there is some more directedness that needs to happen as a matter of clinical intervention. And I think that, to me, feels like it's more solution-based versus process-based.
1: One of the things that I look at as far as my process in giving advice is looking at, does this cross some sort of boundary? Mm-hmm. Is is this something where I'm more invested in the outcome than the client might be? Do I want them to meet or date a certain person or do I want them to break up with a certain person because of my feelings about the situation, not something that they're necessarily bringing into the room? Do I want them to like the same things that I want them to like? <laughs> is it a recommendation to a restaurant or a recommendation to stay away from something else? But it's also checking in with myself is, am I giving this just to feel helpful, to be seen as the knowledgeable, smart one?
0: Yeah. And I really like that distinction because I know for myself, there are definitely clients who have had that urge to give advice or to, to provide feedback on what they're doing. And I recognize that their perspective, their opinions, their values are different than mine. And so really asking what they'd like to do, what they've considered... What things are to be considered in deciding what to do, I think those pieces are really important and will be lost if you just give somebody advice. And I think if I'm more invested, if I'm crossing a boundary, then then that plays out in the relationship because then people start doing things because they think that's what I want versus actually becoming more of who they are and and finding their own way to health and wellness.
1: And I think some of this comes into self-disclosure too, is that I think I tend to err more towards the process-oriented advice, but it might be through the use of my self-disclosure of, I did this thing and I got this experience out of it, and I'm recommending that you look for this kind of an experience or this kind of an outlook based on an experience that that's there. Mm-hmm. I think at times, though, to a point that you were making earlier, is that sometimes solution-oriented advice is actually a plausible intervention. For instance, somebody who's engaging in self-harm, you might say something as simple as, do this instead. Yep. So I think that there's definitely a sense of urgency that's involved that you were getting to earlier that maybe I wasn't seeing you know, a responding to an email or a letter as being as urgent as something that might border along the lines of suicidal ideation. Yeah, yeah. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered.
0: Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code Modern for two months free. Well, I think it I think it's something where, and I wanna address the the other part of the boundaries thing, but I think that for our clients, an urgency might be huge for something, you know, responding to an email from somebody that's very upset with them, you know, and and the longer they wait to respond, the more the relationship's negatively impacted and that kind of stuff. But, But I think to speak to the boundary stuff, I think if we talk about advice based on our own experience, that kind of stuff, I think we need to be really cautious with that because I think our Our experience with something may not be somebody else's experience. And I know there's times when I've used it and it's been effective where I've talked about, you know, this has been my experience with this thing. And so you may want to, you know, consider that or, or, you know, have that be a piece of how you approach these types of situations. But I think there's times when I've, in some ways, inserted myself and my experience and, and created advice based on that. And my clients are like, but I'm not like you you know and fortunately they'll go to that place and like well i'm so different from you that's not going to play out and then we have that conversation which is really juicy for the therapeutic relationship but i think it's that piece of even you know kind of getting giving some of this process based advice where you bring yourself in you want to be cautious that you're not putting too much of yourself in the room and not seeing from your client's perspective mm-hmm.
1: And I think that this brings up the point to me of what's the advice based on? Is it based on a purely subjective experience, which you're bringing up? Is it based on a statistical sort of analysis that is based in research? Or is it based in something that you clinically know about the client? So statistically in research might be something along the lines of, Happier couples tend to engage in these certain behaviors. we know this from research from John and Julie Gottman, Mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, there's a knowledge base that supports what we're saying. But I think that there's also sometimes a place for advice based on your personal knowledge of a client and the issues at hand that you can then form into an intervention. For example, I have a pregnant client that was asking me in her first trimester about the the book what to expect when you're expecting which has tons of good knowledge for for families who are about to have a child but there's also some sections in there that talk about all of the things that can go wrong including what to do in the event of a miscarriage or a stillbirth and I told the client, my reaction is, based on my knowledge of you, that you're going to focus on all of the bad stuff in the book and completely gloss over the good stuff. I don't think that you should <laughs> read this book.
0: Yeah, I think that's important because I think it is, it is solution-based advice. <laughs> don't read that book. Um, but, but it's also it...
1: process-based advice because knowing how she processes things allowed me to give her solution-based advice, and I oh, made okay. that part of the recommendation. <laughs>
0: But regardless, I think the distinction between those two is a little, uh, a little uh, semantics in some ways. So anyway, I think the, the thing that I like about that advice, so to get to that part, <laughs> is that even though there is a specific directive, don't read the book, or I don't think you should read the book because of these reasons, whatever, you know, however you want to phrase that, it is, it is clear So you're not you're not kind of couching in. Well, I I wonder what you think about like it's not pulling back and refusing to give an opinion. But I think it's also really based in the knowledge that you have of your client, and it's connecting in that way. I think being able to say, I think that this is not a good idea for you because of these reasons. But we let's talk about it, or you know, from what I know about you, this is how this might impact you. So what do you think? (laughs) I think those types of things can make clients feel really special. I mean, I think when we talked about. Kind of what clients want in the therapeutic alliance. It's seeing them as whole people. And I think being able to identify this person as a whole person and help them to assess their situation and identify what to do based on their unique situation and being a little bit more specific with it, giving some advice, whether it's solution or process-based, then I think it's it's something that can feel really, really good to our clients.
1: And it totally backs up seeing them as a whole person when they ask for it Mm -hmm. or when you're able to paint the whole picture as you're giving it. And I think that the caution that's given to a lot of early career therapists about not giving advice is kind of trying to protect against that idea that you're just going to jump straight to solution advice. You know, Mm -hmm. it's session two, you have a depressed client, you need to go and do this to be not depressed. It's not understanding the nuance of the entirety of the situation that allows for you to have the broader picture, be able to paint the broader picture for the client, and then hand them the paintbrush in order to finish the picture themselves.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think the instruction to not give advice is kind of like the instruction of no self-disclosure. I think it's something where it disconnects us from our clients in a way that's not not helpful. And I think if we are constantly waiting for our 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 clients to pick up a paintbrush when they've never done it, or you know to to help to not give them any piece of that, I think it can actually slow down the process of therapy. If we're constantly doing this dance where we're not connecting with them and that we're not giving them any feedback or advice, it's a it can be a big problem. I think that there is some harm that can happen if we refuse to give advice.
1: The pros of giving advice seem to be it helps to speed up sessions because apparently Katie thinks that it's a race to get done with therapy.
0: No, it's not a race <laughs> to get done with therapy. It's You it's just urgent. said that it's a
1: race. You just said <laughs> no, that you it's you said
0: r- it was a race. No, I think it's something where people want to feel better and they want to have a better life. And so if we can get them there a little bit more quickly, I think that is positive outcomes. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a race though. Everybody can be in therapy as long as they want. Clearly, because I'm in therapy for like 40 million years.
1: So the, the pros are that it can actually speed up the therapeutic process or help clients feel better. What other kinds of pros are there?
0: I think for me, I think it's, it's more of a natural conversation. I think if we Keep pulling back and refuse to put our in, put ourselves in it in any way, giving them feedback or advice. I think it is too. I don't know. I, w- I was going to say too therapisty, but I think it's that it's not a real conversation if we don't allow ourselves to to put ourselves our, our opinions in there at least a little bit.
1: This is therapy. We're not supposed to have our opinions.
0: Whatever, yeah. dude.
1: Well, <laughs> what are what are some of the negatives that? might be about not giving advice?
0: I think if we refuse to give people advice, I think that there is a chance that we might handicap them. I don't know. I don't know the right words. What what do you think? Why do I have to answer all these questions?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I see not giving advice, especially when clients ask for it, as not being responsive to your clients. I think that... It might need to be not jumping to the advice, but I I see if there's a solution there that can help your clients feel better, why not work with him on getting it? Mm -hmm. I think that it looks better on our whole profession when we're able to help clients as opposed to not help clients. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
0: and I think there's some clients who feel very anxious when they don't know what to do. And even, even getting to that initial stage by, by having advice on the, the very first baby step you know, can help them feel a little bit more competent and it can help them feel a little bit more capable to take the next step. I think that also can be a big problem because if they're constantly relying on you to make the step, then they become dependent and they don't feel competent because they don't ever feel like they can figure anything out. But I think it's it's something where If we don't give them advice, they just, they don't know what to do and they don't know what to do. And it can be really hard to to have them feel like they can take any steps.
1: So we would love to hear your ideas uh, in our Facebook group, the Modern Therapist Survival Guide group. Come and join us over there. Have your responses to some of the things that we're talking about. And we'd love to continue the conversation with you over there. You can also check out the show notes for this episode and all of our other episodes on mtsgpodcast.com. And we'd love to have you join us at our Therapy Reimagined 2018 conference here in the Los Angeles area in October. We're up to 15 CEUs over two days, and we would love to see you there. So until next time, I'm Kurt Widhelm with Katie Vernoy. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. Remember to check out Thrizer. They are passionate about making out of network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thriser.com forward slash modern therapist. And use the promo code MODERNTHERAPISTS and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions.
0: Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest-rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months.